welcome to another episode of She Speaks Stories. This is Katie. And this is Julia. And, and this is Kessid. <laughs> I was just going to say, and we have one of our absolute favorite guests of all time back with us, Kessid. Yay. Thanks for coming on today, darling. I'm so glad to see you guys and to be here. It's, it's, if you listeners could hear our pre-chats before we hit record, you would know how happy all three of us are to be together. You'd also know how little scattered all three of us are. Julia, you just came back from Brazil. Yeah. Yep. It's been a time, you know, when you're bogged down in laundry and like, what day is it a little bit? So much fun, so much joy to travel, but there's a little bit of scatteredness that happens on the end of a trip. So we're thankful for grace and now we're all kind of having a scattered morning so we can come together and just let the Holy Spirit do his thing. (laughs) Exactly. And it's just joyful, joyful to be around the proverbial kitchen table with sweet friends and just share stories. So as you know, if you've been listening to our, our new, uh, episodes, we're sharing three different kinds of stories in a little shorter format than we used to do. So transformation stories of where your thinking and behavior has kind of been transformed by some kind of teaching from the Lord or affirmation stories where he just affirms what you know about him to be true, but he affirms it through some some way or conversion stories of where you first came to know Christ. So, Cassid, we would love you to share your conversion story. Yeah, I would love to share that story with you. Um, So I grew up in a Christian home, you know, Um, and I've talked about my story on here, so I won't go into tons of detail about that. But I grew up overseas under parents who really, really, really love Jesus. And it's interesting, you know, I teach this class on storying. I think we've talked about it on this podcast before. And one of the things that students have to do, one of their assignments is they have to share a faith story. Hey friends, Julia here. Hey, did you know that She Speaks Stories has a newsletter? Yeah, we do. To subscribe to it, just head over to our website, shespeaksstories.com. We are also on socials, so you can find us on Facebook and Instagram by just searching She Speaks Stories. We post and share all kinds of fun things. So following us is a great way to stay connected and updated on all of that fun. We just love our story community, and we hope you can join in on the sharing of stories because, as you know, we say all the time, stories change lives. Um, and so we call it a faith story instead of just the word testimony, because a lot of times when we talk about testimony, we think we're just talking about a salvation story, a conversion story. And so um, one of the things that we talk about a lot in that class is that we want to give kind of the freedom to tell faith stories because while your conversion obviously is incredibly powerful, it's not the only powerful faith story in your life. And God does a lot throughout your life. And so especially, and and every time I talk about this topic with students, um, 
I can see these like almost like sighs of relief for some of them um, that like they get to choose a story besides their initial conversion story. Mm. And I understand that sigh of relief because my conversion story is kind of subtle. Like it's, it's not the, the most dramatic story to tell. Um, And so one of the things that we talk about with our students is like, Hey, like there's a lot of stories like that in your life you can share. But today I do want to share my conversion story because even though it's not dramatic in the events of it, it is absolutely dramatic in the power of it. Um, I was, yeah, I, so I was young when I became a Christian and it wasn't, you know, I've, I've, I've been through training before where they kind of teach you how to share your testimony, you know, your salvation story. And a lot of times the model for that is like before Christ, you know, da, 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 da. <laughs> then you become a Christian. And then after Christ, da, 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 da. And yeah. I'm like, okay, before Christ, I was a third grader, you know, <laughs> like I wasn't like living some <laughs> debaucherous lifestyle. I'm not like going out to the bars at all hours and like, <laughs> you know, and so whenever that yeah. model was presented to me, I was always like, uh, okay. Uh, okay. I mean, before before Christ, I wasn't saved. And after him, I was, and that's, that is the power of it right there, you know? So anyway, um, to really understand my story though, I have to actually start a few months before I actually became a follower of Jesus. So like I said, I grew up in a Christian home. So my, my conversion, if you want to call it that, or my salvation and my understanding was very progressive. What I mean by that is like, I, at a young age, understood as much as I could, and then I would understand a little bit more, and then I would understand a little bit more. Um, But if I had to identify, like, one moment or maybe a span of time, that's my conversion experience, um, it would start when I'm around third grade. And I was living in a large Muslim country at the time. And so a lot of my understanding of Christ um, was was learned very much in that context. So, you know, I learned about God um, in like comparatively to the other gods that people around me worshiped, for example. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. I learned about Jesus in the context of this Muslim country where a lot of the people, like the followers of Islam there, they believe Jesus was real, but they believe he was just a prophet. So my understanding of Jesus was like learned in that context where I'm like, no, 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 he's more than a prophet. He's the son of God. And that's Mm -hmm. important. And he died and he rose again. So this is so much of my understanding of the gospel was kind of learned in that context. So when I was about in third grade, every year they would have a, um, a, a month of like festival called Ramadan and they would fast. And um, at the end of that time, there was a day where they would actually make animal sacrifices, like truly make animal sacrifices, which is, you know, for an American, a typical American hearing that that's such a bizarre, like what that people still do that. Um, but where I lived, people still did that. And so you would see the preparation for this day of sacrifice. Um, and you, you know, I remember driving around and well, I wasn't driving, I was riding in the back of the car, but riding in the back of the car and seeing all the animals that were being gathered and put in pens and like goats were everywhere and cows and like so many more animals than usually what you would see. 
And I remember my dad telling me, you know, what those animals were going to be used for, that they were going to be sacrificed. They were going to be animal sacrifices because the people were trying to gain forgiveness for their sins. Um, and that's what they were doing. Well, there's this kind of core memory conversation I had with my dad. Um, and I think I've even talked about it on the podcast before, but I just, just as a reminder, a core conversation I had with my dad um, where he was talking about the sacrifice that was happening in the city. And I was asking him my little girl questions of like, but why do they do that? And like, I don't understand. And one of the things I said to my dad, um, I said, but it's really messy. And, and that like was very much an experience I was having, like, because after the day of sacrifice, you would see the ramifications of what had just happened. Like the city would just be a different place. And so I made this comment to my dad about like, well, you know, it's so messy. Like why, why? And my dad's response to me, um, and he probably doesn't even remember this, honestly, but his response to me was, well, baby sacrifice was always messy. And as my little, like in my little third grade mind, I, I just grabbed a hold of that statement. Sacrifice was already, was always messy. And I couldn't stop thinking about it. Like I thought about it for months and, um, started like, I think God started making those connections for me about, um, you know, the stories I had heard in the old Testament and, um, the reality that like my friends around me were still like, almost living in like an old Testament type, um, pursuit of holiness and like making these animal sacrifices. And, you know, there's, there's a passage in Hebrews and it says, um, in Hebrews 10, it says it can never buy the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. So just kind of that talking about that reality of like every year and like this over and over making sacrifices, but that's, that's not what's going to do it. And later on in that chapter, in verse four, it says, it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. And I think like as a child, and when my dad made that statement, as I'm looking around, I understood that passage, even though I honestly wasn't connecting to that passage. Um, I don't know if I really had an understanding of Hebrews 10 until later on in my life, but like experientially, that's what God was showing me. And so this moment was like highly, highly pivotal for me in my understanding. And I think until then, I knew who God was. I knew who Jesus was. But like, that's when I understood what my sin was. It was like the messiness of my sin and what God had done for me. But that's not actually my conversion story. So a few months later, we are in the United States visiting and I went to a GA camp, which is like, I think girls in action, you know, like you go to camp and you learn about what God is doing around oh, the world. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. like the Christian camp, you know? Um, and so yeah, yeah, yeah. that was a neat experience for me and, uh, and very different for me. Cause you know, I didn't grow up in America, but I was at this camp right. and you know, it's a typical Christian, well, I, I guess it's a typical Christian camp in the sense that you have your activities, you're making art, you're going on the zip line, you're getting your ice cream, and then you have like your Bible study. Yeah. 
um, every, you know, <laughs> day. And then you also have your worship time and all of that kind of stuff. So um, throughout the week, I could just feel the Lord working in my heart. Like this is just a few months later. So I'm, I, you know, I'm third grade. Um, and the last night I remember standing in the worship time and, you know, they had the big call to action at the end of that time. And they're like, if anybody wants to, you know, come to know Jesus, um, like we would love to talk to you. And I could just feel that tug in my heart and that tug in my spirit and that invitation, that welcoming invitation in my spirit from Jesus. Um, but I was, uh, you know, like there and my, my, I think my parents were actually there as like some of the guest speakers or something. Either way, people knew that I lived overseas and that I lived in a Christian family and that like we, we like told people about Jesus. And so the assumption was actually kind of that I was already a Christian. And so I'm like sitting, standing there, you know, and I'm like feeling that tug, but for some reason I just didn't get up, you know? So at the end of that time, they said, they were like, well, if there's anybody else, when you get back to your cabin, your counselor would love to talk to you. And so we get back to the cabin and everybody's laying in bed and I'm laying in bed. And I just, I was like, enough, I have to go talk to the counselor. Like Mm. this is, I'm never going to be able to sleep, you know? So anyway, I like sit up in bed and I look out and I realize there's already a camper talking to the counselor. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, I'll just sit here for a minute. I'll wait. I'll be the next one. You know, I'll be the next person. And, um, I wasn't the next person because somebody else jumped out onto that front porch, you know? And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll be the next person, you know? And I don't know how long I waited in my little girl mind. It was hours. I'm sure it wasn't, but like, I, I swear every single girl in that cabin wanted to talk to the counselor that night. And I was just like sitting there waiting for my turn. And then in the midst of that, I'm sitting there on, you know, the bottom bunk of this like bunk bed. And all of a sudden it dawned on me. I was like, wait a second. Why do I need to talk to my counselor? My counselor doesn't need to help me do this. I know exactly Like I've grown up in a family that has like talked about this and I know like how to become a Christian and it has nothing to do with saying a magical prayer or (laughs) having someone older and wiser than you kind of put a stamp of approval on your faith. Like I know. And even as a little girl sitting there, I was thinking about Romans 10, 9, and it says, if you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And like, there's nothing in there about, and if you say the prayer in exactly the way that you're supposed to pray it, and you say these words, and if you know how to ask Jesus into your heart, then he will come into your, that's not there. Like what it says is if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And so sitting there on my little bunk bed, I said that to Jesus in my little girl way. I just said, okay, Jesus, like I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Like, I want to believe you. I believe that you're the only one that can take care of the messiness of my sin. And I believe that you died and you rose again. And I, I believe it. 
like, and you know, and then I'm just kind of sitting there like, I believe it. And in that moment, I was like, oh, that was it. You know, like that, that was it. And it wasn't dramatic. And it wasn't, I wasn't surrounded by, I mean, I was surrounded by people, but they didn't know what was happening. It was just me in that bunk bed with Jesus. But like when it was done, when after I had prayed, the tug that I had been feeling all week and all night was gone. It just rested. And I laid down and I went to bed. And like a few weeks later, or like a week later, I don't know, um, I went on a walk with my dad to tell him um, we were at the beach and I went on this walk to tell him and I will never forget like even how and and I had told my mom as well and she affirmed it and celebrated with me and then I was going to tell my dad and um, something really cool happened in that conversation with my dad where my dad just his response to me he asked me some questions tell me what happened like, tell me what you told Jesus. What is this decision you're making? All this kind of stuff. But then at the end of it, I think I was still kind of thinking, oh, there's going to be like a prayer we pray. Like, you're going to like lead me in like some type of prayer. Like, there's some type of something. Like, I guess that I'm missing. Is there something I'm supposed to be doing? And instead of my dad being like, yeah. okay, well, now let's pray for you to become a Christian. His response was, well, let's just pray and thank God that you became a Christian. <laughs> And it was this really sweet affirmation that like, even as a young child, I understood what I was doing and that it wasn't dramatic because of the event of it. It was dramatic because like salvation is dramatic and it was dramatic because of what Jesus had done. And so there's so many stories that I have in my life that are far more dramatic than my conversion story, but I am ultimately most grateful for my conversion story and the power of what God did in that really subtle moment on the bottom of a bunk bed, just me and him. Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I have got goosebumps all over because that is one of the most clearest explanations of the gospel that I have heard. Very clear, yeah. What conversion really is, and and what it it doesn't. It, it, it there is no magic prayer. There is no. If you come forward, then you're really saved. If you never came forward in a church and had someone pray over you and lay hands, and you're then eh, maybe not. You know, blah blah blah. That is it in a nutshell. And yeah, what a beautiful yeah. Beautiful well, and- what I love about that too, is it puts the focus on the right thing. I think when people talk about their conversion stories and they're insecure about it, they're like, well, nothing, I wasn't terrible. And then I was wonderful or, you know, whatever it, the focus of your story is on the salvation. It's on the Jesus. It's on the saving. So who cares what you're doing before, you know, and obviously we're going to do better after because we have the Lord, but like, it's about Jesus. That's the conversion. You said um, the salvation part is the dramatic part. And that's what we need to hold on to. That's the wow factor in everyone's conversion story. I love that. Well, and I think too, like, obviously that's not where the story ends, you know? And like, I was baptized where I got to publicly declare that I had made this decision. And then even moving forward, like 
I think, I think the one of the things I've learned is that like my conversion story is where God became the God of my salvation. But like later on, there's a lot of faith stories where he became my Lord. He became the Lord of my life. And so like his Lordship in my life and the stories about that, some of them are dramatic and like, you can see the big changes in me, but like my conversion story, the change was very deep inside and it was an eternal change, you know? And so, um, and, and I want to make sure to say that like, I'm not being critical of, you know, people who help lead in prayers and things like that. I think that's incredibly helpful, but like, I think we just have to be really careful that we don't identify those things almost as having some magical formula to them because they don't. Um, but yeah, like he became the God of my salvation when I was in third grade and like throughout my life, he has become the Lord of my life. Um, and I am really thankful for both of those works. Of course, of course that, that was the beginning. And I love that you explained in my third grade mind, in my third grade mind. And yet it, it was real and it was deep. And Jesus said, let the little children come on to me. Um, I, I love that. And the uniqueness of your story of witnessing people sacrificing animals to take away their sin and asking about that. And then the understanding sacrifice is messy. Hmm. Hmm. And a couple of months to ponder that. Right. <laughs> I, I don't know. Every person's story is unique of how they came to Christ. And, and Kel said, I'm, I'm with you. You're not belittling someone that does go forward in a big mass, maybe, you know, a Billy Graham yeah. thing or something, because that's their unique story. Um, but the point of this is salvation. And I love that you just read it out of scripture. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. I I don't know. I love that. And we would love to have you back, Kesset, and hear some more of your stories. Because like we've been saying, there are different types maybe of faith stories. And I like that you started with, with that saying, we like to say faith stories. You don't have to categorize them, but I love that you you shared how your faith really began with salvation. And I'm looking forward to having you back and hearing some of those transformation stories and affirmation stories that helped you then uh, grow more and more. So for now, we got to say goodbye, but we love you and we thank you so much for sharing. You are welcome. And I will see you guys next time. Okay. Bye, everybody. We love you.